week three of our series on forward because God wants us to move forward. That is what this is about. When Cutie and I were on our trip back in 2008 and we were thinking about what kind of church God had for us, then ultimately it came down to this. We knew God wanted us to love people. God wanted us to be in a place where people who maybe had kind of been disenchanted with church could kind of connect. And we wanted to be a move forward kind of church. And we were looking for some kind of a visual. Any of y'all seen those little wishing well things, a little coin funnel things? They've got them at the mall and you put the little coin in there and it goes around and around and around and around. Finally, whoop, comes inside. Uh, we, that was immediately kind of what we saw in our minds was this thing because we were, it depends on the trajectory that you start. And that coin, can, it can hang out on the edge forever and just kind of hang out and go and go and then finally start working its way in. Or it can just take off and just go in. But ultimately what it's about, it's about getting in and staying mo- stay moving. Keep moving forward. Just don't get stagnant. As we just stay hungry for God, as we just keep our hearts open for God, God continues to just transform us. It's not a big scary thing we just have to just keep saying god i just want whatever you have for me and keep moving forward and that's what this series is ultimately about and that's what we are trying to cover here and here in week three if you want the previous weeks you can get on our website and they're podcasted and you can get all of that good stuff but this week we're talking about face forward and that we have to really move forward. We have to get face-to-face. We need face-to-face contact with other believers. We have to have the body of Christ active in our lives. And it is so important. Back also in 2008, I got this wild hair. I was coming up on my 35th birthday. And I, I've shared with you all before that I'm not athletic. And that I, but I wanted to kind of accomplish something that was athletic-like. And I decided I wanted to do this long-distance event. So for some reason, I chose a marathon, and then I wanted to run a marathon. I'm not a runner. I don't do that. I, I don't, didn't run this week. Uh, but I began to train and get ready for this marathon. And in October of 2008, I, just days before my 35th birthday, I signed up for this marathon and got in. And I knew I was going to be running it slower than the average runner and I set my pace, and we were going, and initially there was like a hundred of us that all took off. And as I, we were cruising, that first 15 miles or so wasn't that bad, because there were people around me. But as we got on to the backside, I was the slow guy, and pretty soon everything got stretched out, and I'm just on this desolate West Texas, between Midland and Odessa, chunk of highway running and i can't see the person in front of me and i can't look back and see the person behind me i'm just by myself and i'm telling you that was absolutely horrific i so wanted to quit if there, somebody would have come and offered me a ride i'd have just punched out and said look i'm done i've run further than i've ever run in my life i don't care about the medal i don't want the t-shirt take me home and Finally, I got a glimpse. I got a glimpse of hope as I was running. And I saw this figure that I was gaining ground on in the distance. And I was like, yes, I'm going to go run with that guy. And so I start catching up. And it was this guy in his 60s. And I'm like, oh, yeah. 
I'm going to catch this dude. And I start trucking up, and I'm slowly catching him, and he's running and walking. And by this point, I've done what I did not want to do. And I, at mile 17, I, I had to quit running, and I had to walk, and I was so mad. And I was just angry as I was finishing this because I wasn't running anymore. And I, so I was running and walking, but I was running faster than this guy was. So I was slowly catching him. And it took me about 45 minutes to close on this guy. And I got between here and that wall. And all of a sudden, that guy heard my footsteps. And this guy obviously had like, that wasn't his first marathon. And he just hit this new gear. And that old guy just dusted me. I'm telling you, I just almost had a running partner. I had some vision and some hope. I was going to have somebody to talk to. And then he just left me. And it was just horrible. And the, the worst part of that race was the part where I was alone. The loneliness of it was just so difficult. And you and I, that our walk with Christ is not a sprint. This is a long distance thing. This is a whole life thing. And it's a marathon. And I'm telling you, if you try to run it by yourself, you're going to want to punch out. You're going to want to quit. What we need are people who are going to come alongside us and run with us and coach us and move us forward. I'm telling you, I would actually say, I looked down my nose at a couple of guys early in the race. I thought I was being the better stud there. And because they would run and then they would walk and they were together. And I noticed that pretty soon we were passing each other. And pretty soon I wasn't passing them anymore. And, I, you know, and I'd been running the whole time. And these, these guys were cheating. They were walking some. And, but they were able to encourage each other. And they were able to accomplish, even with breaks, more than I was able to because they were together. And we, we have to embrace this as believers. See, Acts 2.42 says they... We're looking at the early church. The Holy Spirit has been poured out in the first part of Acts chapter 2. People are coming to Christ by the thousands, literally. It's an incredible time in the early church. And here is how they begin to act. And here in Acts 2.42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. See, they did not just have fellowship they devoted themselves to it. Fellowship became a priority. And that has to be that way in our lives. There was a study that just came out from 2008 where they polled the, the middle class of America and were finding all this and find out what their priorities. In the past, the middle class, number one concern was family and health and money. Those were, they would take turns being the number one concern. For the first time ever with this poll, free time was their number one priority. We are so overscheduled. We are so stretched that just the idea of having a couple of hours with nothing in it just sounds so precious and so wonderful. We have to make this. If we say, well, I'll, I'll hang out with some other people who are moving in the same direction as God, you know, it'll just kind of happen. No, it won't. It won't. We have to prioritize it. We have to begin to schedule that into our hectic lives and make it happen. Otherwise, it won't. See, the Greek term fellowship that's translated there is this term called koinonia. 
And it's translated in our English Bibles as different ways. Here it shows up fellowship. Other places it shows up participation or sharing or partnership or even communion. It's this idea of this sharing together. There is this idea of, of intimacy. It's not just, you know, having some coffee and donuts. You know, you can have fellowship while having coffee and donuts. But if you simply have coffee and donuts together, that does not mean you fellowship. You know, and so it is something where there's this exchange. And at Christ-like fellowship is when we connect around our mutual connection to God. See, ultimately, we look at this and it can simply be defined as doing life together. As Cutie and I were traveling, that was just a phrase that just kept popping up all the time. That all these guys said, man, we're just, you know, it's like, well, you know, how's your staff work? Man, we're just doing life together. We just love God and we love each other and we're just doing life together. We just enjoy being around each other and have the like heart and it just works. That's what fellowship is about, of just doing life, enjoying the ups and being there for the downs. That is what doing life together is all about. See, Acts 2.42 in the message translation, I like the way it reads there. It says, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together the common meal, and the prayers. That is what is so important. It begins that we begin to prioritize each other and hold each other in more esteem and begin to honor the being a part of the body of Christ. Well, we have five kids, and of course that's, you know, and then we have, there's the two of us, so there are seven schedules in our household. And as the older our kids get, the more that has going on, well, Lyndon, our, our fourth child, our second daughter, she is like, she's our froofy girl. She's our girly girl. And she loves all the makeup and the hair stuff and different outfits. And we got her signed up for tennis. And the most exciting thing about that is an outfit. And she just can't wait to get the skirt and the shirt. And she don't care about the racket or hitting anything. She's just going to look cute. And uh, which she will. She's a doll. Um, but she's part of cheer club at school. And cheerleading and all that's just awesome to her. It's just part of her persona. And cheer club happens at an awkward time. And both of us work. And it just happens at this weird time from 3.15 to 4.15. So I have to pick up all the kids, go. And then as soon as I've dropped them, I've got to go back to get her at 4.15. And it just shoots my afternoon. It just messes everything up. And we've tried to work with it. And a couple of times I've had to get her out early. She just, that was when I was there. And I had to get her out early. And understandably, the coaches, they devote their time. They plan. They provide these little choreography. Everybody needs to know it. I understand that the coaches don't like that. So I'm like talking to Lyndon. I said, Lulu, you know, there's this tension here because we've got our schedule and we've got your coach and we want to honor them and their efforts. And I just don't know that this is going to work. We're going to try to make it work. And she said, Daddy, if it's just better for the, for the family that I'm not in cheer club, then I'll quit. Now, now I've got to make her stay. I've got to find a way. Because she was just so pure about that it was her and she was sincere it wasn't being a martyr it wasn't being oh i'm, I'm going to do this because this is what i can tell you need for me to do she really cared about the good of the family unit and what was going to work for the family she's like if this just doesn't fit it doesn't fit and i'll quit and i was like oh, 
but that's the attitude that you and I, in being connected with the body of Christ, we have to prioritize it in that kind of way. That, that it's not about me. It's about this bigger connection. See, when we look at this, this doing life together comes loaded with all kinds of awesome benefits. And the first one is, is we experience the presence of God. Matthew 18, 20 tells us that where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. See, God's the ultimate party crasher. A couple of people get together that all know him. They get together and talk about him and boom, he is there. He's going to be right there in the middle of us. That's why we can be the church everywhere. We don't have the constraints of, of having to have a steeple follow us around so we can be the church or, or carry our big, huge Bible under our arms to be the church where you and I, where the body of Christ connect in His name. The presence of God is right there. And that is one of the wonderful benefits of connecting with other believers is we get to experience the presence of God in a real, real way. You know, there's a lot of good teaching on television. People say, well, why would I need to, you know, go to church on Sunday morning? They're top-notch teaching on television. Absolutely, there is. Great preachers on TV. The problem is, is that guy's not going to reach through there and give you a hug. That guy's not going to sit there and share these connections with you. They're not going to be there when, when times are tough. That's why we've got to connect with a local body somewhere. Yes, we can connect and get fed and get taught by those things as well. Those are good, but we need the local believers. We need people to, to rally around. Another thing is that our lives become completely transformed. See, Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man's face, a man, so a man sharpens his friend's face. That's the literal translation. That it actually makes us, makes that man, it shapes his countenance. It makes him look different. We, there is this real transformation that begins to take place when we're around other believers. And the, the God's love and his mercy and his correction sometimes and all of these different things begin to come up in our lives as we are connected with one another. And there's this there's this honing that's mutually beneficial that makes us both better. It is so important. My mother modeled this for me for the bulk of my life. She had a friend that was her iron sharpening iron friend. And every morning she'd be sitting there, we'd be getting ready for school. And my mom would be sitting there on the corner there in her couch. She had her Bible open. She had her notes open. She had the phone to her ear. And she'd be on the phone and her and this lady would be praying all the time. There were tons of prayers put up for me and my sisters and other family members. Morning after morning, they would encourage each other. They would support each other. And my mother modeled that out without me even realizing it. So when I came and got my life right while I was here at ASU, and began to, my heart began to get tender before God, one of my first prayers was, God, give me some friends who love you. And are pursuing you. And I'm telling you, it was just a matter of weeks. And Kelly Dunn, right up there, was placed into my life. And has been an awesome friend. And we would pray together and meet over there at him, Kelly and Kelly's apartment. And we played lots of spades together. And we 
opened the scriptures together. We just spent time together. Brandon Moore, who's on our board and on our worship team, was placed into my life. And there have been these lifelong iron sharpening iron relationships. And we just, we need those. I'm telling you, I could not be the person I am today without these relationships playing such a key role in my life of them and praying for me and encouraging me and being there for me when I was frustrated and dealing with stuff. It's just so important. I love this next scripture, and it's 1 John 1, 6 through 7. And it says, If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Here is where it, part of this fellowship thing is there is living in the light and letting the light of God have its effect. I want to show you a picture. All right, this is a picture that uh, Dave, our guy who's normally here leading worship, they do a photography business. Now, this is a picture, and initially I was really irritated by the, about this picture because it's a, it's a fun picture. Uh, but look at my head. I've got, there's, this, there's this white spot. Well, that's the sun shooting in. So as we were previewing these pictures, was she on other things? You know, they've got all the, the software and able to enhance different things. And I'm like, man, part of my head's just gone. And that, that's just messed up. You know, I love this picture. Other than that, my, my head's gone. And I, I got this cave out of my face. And <clears throat> I said, can you fix that? Can you, like, enhance that and put my head back together? And she said, no, we can't. She said, if it had been shadow, had it been in the dark, then all of that information would have still been there and we could have brought light to it and have exposed it. But because the light was there... All of that information that had been there, it is gone. It is, you can't find it. It's not there. There ain't anything we can do. That it is completely covered up. See, as we look at this scripture, that it says it purifies us from all sin. So many times we're either going to run to light when we have sin in our lives or we're going to run to darkness. And then we think that the darkness hides it. We think we get over here and hold up in the corner and get behind this and nobody can see me and nobody knows my junk. But you know what? All of that information is still there. But when we expose it to the blood of Christ, to the light of God, and we allow it to come, then God's light pushes out and that, it's not there. You can't find it. You can't dig it up. You can't try to enhance it and find it and pull it out. God's love and his light purifies us it pushes it out it isn't there anymore we may have be able to mentally recall it because it's a memory but as far as this thing hanging over our life and and hanging us down it's gone it's not there and when we connect with one another and we fellowship in the light of god that's why the word of god tells us that if we have issues word of god calls it sin but we all that's a big scary church word nobody says that other church people and so sin is just things just not doing what God wants us to do. It's just not live, making good decisions, not being wise. And whenever we've got that stuff going in our lives, that we need to confess it to one another. That's an act of fellowship. That's an act, and it's exposing it to the truth. And that, I'm telling you, it's just like, 
it just handles it and deals with it. It is such an amazing thing. It is so, so good for us to live in fellowship with each other. And then the last benefit we're going to talk about, not that these are exhaustive, but that our strengths, one another's strengths, get to offset the weaknesses. It was uh, Leonardo da Vinci said that uh, the arch, which when they, really, when they discovered how to create an arch, all of a sudden the ability to create multi-story buildings and create these incredible cathedrals became available. It was, a, it was an incredible, incredible architectural achievement when they figured out how to create an arch because then it could, you could span something, have a hallway, and it still be structurally sound. And Leonardo da Vinci said that all an arch is are two weaknesses leaning on each other, creating a strength. That's all it is. See, you and I, apart from the, uh, being in the body of Christ, that's why we, we, we're, we're disconnected. We always feel like we're just, I'm just about to fall over. But then we get somebody else who's sitting there and we are able to lean on each other. There is this strength that comes into our lives when we're able to lean on each other. Lately, I've been able to be in part of, of some folks being able to be there for each other in a really tough, really trying time. And I'm telling you, the body of Christ is a beautiful thing, but it is never more beautiful than when it is rallying to love and care for itself. It is incredible. We don't do it perfectly all the time, but when we do it, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. See, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Man, had I like tripped over something out there on, on my marathon, I'd have been skid up on the ditch for a long time. Somebody would have finally come to look for that Clark guy that never showed up. And then it found me in the ditch. But I'd have been out there a long time. And uh, pity, it should be pitiful. Pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A threefold core or threefold strand is not quickly broken. There is this strength. That comes when you and I are connected together over and over and over again. You see throughout the New Testament, somebody becomes a believer. God immediately connects them with other believers. Not that we get rid of all of our unrighteous, un-God-fearing friends. And we're going to hole up and be this little holy huddle. No, because then we can't be who we're supposed to be. But we need each other. We need people who are moving forward to lean on and to grow and move in Christ. It is so important. And when to, to see how this works, then the one another commands of the Bible show us how we're to act in fellowship. We have Colossians 3.16. Let the word of God dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. We ought to be talking about the scriptures. We ought to be sharing these things with one another. It's, it's vital. Romans 
15.7 says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. See, if we don't do that, one of the things, one, a lot of why real fellowship doesn't happen is because people are afraid that they won't be accepted. They're just concerned they won't be accepted. If I'm really me, you're not really going to accept me or want to be around me. So I kind of stay my distance. I'll maybe show up to church and do my church thing, but I'm not really going to connect. But if we'll be a people who really accept one another, like Christ accepted us, mess and all, then we can really connect and move forward. Romans 14, 13 says, Therefore let us stop passing judgment. It's connected like with the other one. On one another. Instead, make your mind, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. We ought to be clearing stuff out, not placing hurdles where if you're going to fellowship with me, well, then you've got to jump this hurdle. You've got to be this, you know. I heard you say the blank word. You can't be around me. Oh, my gosh. We've just, we've just put out most of the people, you know, I've ever met, you know. You can't use the blank word, you know. Yeah, you know, maybe we ought to not have vulgar speech. Yes, maybe we ought to be able to have, whatever, have only lovely things come out of our lives. But people have to grow to that. So we have to be patient with each other, you know. There's a lot of times people will say, I'm sorry, Pastor, but blank, blank, blank. Right, well, you know, sometimes that's the way it is. You know, you're absolved. So, not really. But uh, um, but we, we can't be passing judgment. We've got to be moving obstacles. This one right here seems a little weird at first. Romans 16, 16 says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I'm not talking about laying smooches on everybody here. You know, I'm, not, I'm talking about it is this idea of the warmest embrace that's there for your culture. At that culture, it was this, the, the kiss on the cheek. We don't do that here. You try that, somebody's going to punch. At some point, you're going to get popped. You get by with it a couple times, but you're just playing roulette there. Somebody's going to lay you out. And, uh, and so, but it's the warmest greeting that your culture has. That's all that is, is the warmest greeting your culture has. Man, we ought to be excited to see each other. We ought to connect when we see each other out in public. It ought to be an awesome thing. And that keeps that fellowship alive. And then John 13:35 says, By all this, but this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Man, I'm telling you, when, when there's something, this close-knit family, this, this love, this, man, people want to be a part of that. It doesn't drive people away. Man, those people, they've got each other's back. They're good to each other. I don't want anything with that. No. I mean, people want to connect with that. Love is this connector. Um, our previous series, we did um, the... Uh, Best Supporting Actors. And we talked about Lydia. And we, if you'll notice in your bulletin, right at, right at the end, we've got some questions for your children. If you've got kids over there, guess what? They're talking about as iron sharpens iron right now. They're talking about having good friends that are encouraging them in God. They're talking about the same thing we're talking about. So you can talk about this at lunch. And then, so there's some questions there where Cutie was, uh, Cutie was talking to Carson, and she uh, asked him, what he had learned about with Lydia and asked him a question about Lydia. And here's, here's their dialogue there. And uh, Carson says, well, we learned about Lydia too. She sold purple cloth. And Cutie asked him, well, did, did she love the Lord? 
And Carson said, uh, I don't know. We didn't learn that. And she said, you didn't learn if Lydia loved the Lord, if Lydia loved God? And he said, I thought you said Lauren. I don't even think she knows Lauren. <laughs> and so, but I'm telling you, if Lydia knew Lauren, she'd love her. Because we all love Lauren. But it's the love of God that it comes back to it. It's, it's about the love of God. And that is what connects us in such this real way. That's what makes us different. It's not how religious we can be or how much we've got memorized, although memorizing Scripture is awesome and you ought to be doing it, or how much you read or how much you pray. It is ultimately the love of God expressed in our hearts. And see, God loves us all. And He wants His, and His love shows up best whenever all those who love Him do life together in His name. When we're connected, when we say, man, if you call on the name of the Lord, I'm good with you. I don't care what kind of denomination you say. I don't care what this. If, you, if Jesus is it for you, then, then we're cool and we're good and I can do life with you. And that is ultimately what it is about. And we, to be able to move forward together, we have to have that face-to-face. There's got to be somebody in your life. There's got to be a name to it. If it's just Celebration Church helps me, well, that, that's a good start. But there ought to be a person or some people or a group. That's why small groups are a big deal around here. And we've got some more small group leaders ready to rock. And we're needing some, some host homes that are willing to open up on a weekly basis. And I know that's a big commitment, but it's something I'd consider to ask you to pray about. I'm being able to open your home because I'm telling you the, the, the blessing that comes with that kind of life-giving exchange is just so so wonderful and connect with somebody maybe you could do like my mom did and just find somebody who's a prayer partner man i I had prayer partner when i was in college and it helped change and shape my life maybe there's a couple of you that can get together and and be running partners and just keep each other accountable or you can get involved in one of our small groups just connect connect and you have to make it a priority and we don't like to close down our service and we're about to wind it up right here but without giving everybody an opportunity to make a decision to join the family. So you can't get this race off and running if you're not in the starting blocks, if you're not taking off. And that begins with accepting Christ. That begins with saying, man, I need a Savior. And Jesus provided that for me. I need my sin dealt with. I've tried to hide it in the dark and it's still there and I know it. I need to expose it to the light of God and it be dealt with. And we just do that. 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 And we just do 